WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. And we have Jeff in the studio and we have a very special guest today. Uh, we have Lucian Clark. Uh, Lucian, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, it's pretty been eventful, as I said, storming here. But besides that, not much going on. You have a very aggressive cat Jersey. as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, very angry that there was a repo man outside taking a car. Comrade so, uh, cat. Comrade just, cat. Comrade cat. You got to love it. Cats, cats, you know, they kind of have this affect that they don't care or whatever. But, you know, deep down, they're with you. They're on your side. Yeah. She's an all black cat, too. So she she looks like a Sabo Tabby, too. Oh, that's so cute. Uh, we have one. We got one uh, kitten, actually. So one of our cats uh, here. Uh, we, so we, we had, I'd never had a cat in my entire life, like until last summer in like June where like somebody in the neighborhood, uh, decided that they wanted to, um, they, they like found a cat, like a stray in the Louisiana Lafayette, like parking lot, like at the school and they brought it home and they were just like, I don't know what to do with this cat. And we took the cat. So then we have one cat and then about six months later, uh, my friend, oh, I'm sorry, Kimberly, my wife, her her cousin comes by with another kitten, like just totally stray kitten, and brings that one here. And then next thing we have two cats, and then one of the strays gets out, a female, and she basically, this is like the first week of COVID, by the way, she got out of the house. She comes back in. We find her like after much shenanigans that I have talked about on this show. Uh, some like like real Benny Hill, like yakety sack, like me falling on my and, and like uh, wiping out trying to find this thing. Uh, mm -hmm. And then uh, essentially, like long story short, uh, when this cat comes back, we have three more kittens now. <laughs> so we have five cats all of a sudden. <laughs> but one of them is a totally totally black kitten her name is zero and the only thing that is not black on this cat is one of her whiskers which is white Aww. it's crazy <laughs> right, that's the cat that's, that's so my cute. cat story i do like going from no cats to five cats because that seems that seems to be how it goes yeah. <laughs> because yeah. we have our one cat but we've talked about like well if we weren't in such a small apartment we'd probably get another cat mm -hmm. or two I'm sitting in my office now, and we have five litter boxes in here. <laughs> it's yep. wild. So uh, anyway, uh, Lucian is the author of a book called Cemetery Drive. Uh, and I guess we could talk a little bit about what, what you know, the book a little bit. But we can just wanted to kind of hang out and chop it up for most of this time. So uh, I guess what's Cemetery Drive and what's it about? Uh, so Cemetery Drive is something that I had started on three years ago. And originally I had, with COVID and everything, I was like, I can't, I was working from home. Mm -hmm. I decided I can't just keep 
sitting here doing nothing. I was actually in a pretty bad depressive rut from just like, I would work all day and then just kind of sit here, do nothing, go to sleep, work all day, sit here, do nothing, go to sleep. And just so brutal, just a brutal grind. It really is. Cause in working from home, you don't have that. Like, okay, I leave my workplace. I am done. Yeah. I it's like you live at work. Same, yes. I live at work. I sit in the same spot. I don't leave. Like I became one with the couch until, you know, I got up and went to bed and then came back and was one with the couch. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was in a pretty bad depressive rut and I decided, well, I have a bunch of short stories that have nowhere to go. So let's make an anthology collected everything I had and realized not quite enough for it to, to be put out into a book. And so I started working on Cemetery Drive again, and I had about, I think, 10 or 15,000 words for it. So it was already something that's longer than anything else I had. And then as I kept going and working on it, it became 20,000, 25,000. I growing. said, if this thing hits, yeah, it kept growing and growing. And <laughs> like so the I cats. Said, it's just like the cats. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, if this hits a point where it's like 30,000 words, I think I said, if it ends up being over like just 50 type pages or something like that, it's going to be its own thing. Like there's mm -hmm. no way I can just be like, here's five really short 10 page stories and then a hundred page novella at the end. It just doesn't go well. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah. Even with self-publishing where it's kind of a, you can get away with doing whatever to a degree. Um, <laughs> so it became its own thing. I decided, fine, the anthology can wait. I'll find other stuff to put in it. And it became its own thing. And I will say that uh, if anybody wants to seek out self-publishing, don't give yourself a timeline. COVID, any, just don't give yourself a timeline and say, I want everything done by this date. Even though I somehow managed to do it, I don't suggest it because... Everything doesn't work out that way. Mm -hmm. You're if you're not hiring people to do stuff, I did everything on my own, the formatting, all that. The only things I didn't do was I had a comrade who did the formatting for the uh, EPUB version, so the mm -hmm. ebook, and I had someone who did the cover. That's and then awesome. I had a friend who did did some editing and stuff after that, but I did the majority of the editing. I did all the formatting for the book and all that. And so you never realize how much each of those things is going to take you're like oh it'll take three it won't be that long and then you know i'm a week into trying to format the damn thing and every time <laughs> i save it it changes and doesn't save right and it, it was just a nightmare and i was i had given myself a deadline and deadlines think, are pressure okay, that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure it's a lot it's and it was so unnecessary and even as somebody who like if i don't have a deadline i won't get things done yeah. Giving myself same. a deadline of this is the date the book is being released was not was not <laughs> smart at all. Um, and I learned learned a little bit the hard way because you're like, OK, you would think once you put it on, say, like Amazon to have it go up, it shouldn't take very long. But then it takes like a couple of days for them to make sure that you're not stealing somebody else's work and re-uploading mm -hmm. it or um I went through Ingram Spark to do the distribution outside of um, Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, so for like Barnes and Noble, Walmart.com, stuff like that. Um, and 
it buried in their stuff it's like oh once you hit distribute it's still going to take four to six weeks for it to show up on those places so like today i released the book on the 28th and today is when it's finally showing up on like barnes and noble wow i didn't have no idea that that was such a i mean i guess it does make sense in terms of like well they have to produce the books and they have to ship them and then they have to put them on the shelves and all the stuff and so it's not even with that because Going through Ingram Spark, it's print on demand. So it's not even going to be at like a physical Barnes and Noble. It's only mm. on barnesandnoble.com. And they don't you print the it. books and send them until somebody orders it. Oh, that's wild. It's like t shirts so, now. Yeah. So the the timeline is literally just going, okay, here's the information. Now put it on the site. Mm. And then I guess just because of people, a lot more people are self publishing, a lot more people, especially now, are stuck inside and want something to do. So they go, I'm going to write a book. Um, you get a backlog. You get a backlog. So even though it take, normally takes this long without the backlog, if anywhere you look, it's like, hey, just as a heads up, everything's taking that much longer. <laughs> I could on myself, I could have done a little bit more research. But at the yeah. same time, I was like, hey, YOLO, let's 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 wing it the first time around. Sounds like you Don't did a lot, it. though. Don't I mean, like. <laughs> Sounds like you did a lot. You you sort of like took on almost nine, like ninety nine percent of the task of doing all of the, like you say the the editing and the you know the formatting and all the things. That that seems to me like you've done you've you've did a lot. <laughs> if you like, I don't know how much can one person do. <laughs> a lot is yeah. uh, the, the problem, and I think it might have been a. I guess what I mean to say is that, like, I guess what I mean to say is that, like, if you're looking at yourself and saying, like, I guess I just didn't do enough or whatever, I'm like, I don't know. It sounds like you did plenty. I can put a whole lot on my next resume if I ever need it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So what's a book? I mean, like, I know you kind of made a joke. Like, what's the sort of, like, idea behind it? What are we what are we writing about here? What do we? What's the what's the sort of story about it? Because it seems like it's something that really kind of captured your imagination and, and it, it kind of made its own thing. Um, so it is a to, just to add to the bummer that we live in now. Uh, it is a romance tragedy where I didn't really pull any punches with it. You can kind of see where it's going from the get go. So it's uh-huh. kind of a. One of those things where it's it's a car crash that you're just like, you, you, you kind of got to rubberneck it. You're interested. You're like, oh, I know where <laughs> this is going, but let's stick with it kind of thing. Um, and as I wrote it, it got a little bit more darker than it originally intended to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never realized you see a lot of stuff where people are like, they talk about writing and they talk about the characters do things that you as an author, oh, I didn't expect them to do that. I didn't think that's what would happen. And I never understood that until I started writing something long form like this, um, where short stories, it's kind of less about, it can be introspective, but it's less introspective than a long form like this. Mm -hmm. And as I started writing it, certain things like just started making sense that I had said, this is the plot. And then it went, no, it's not this, this is where it's going to go. And this is how it's going to go. Um, and so they really did like, they really do take like a life of their own. Mm-hmm. And it seems like 
yes, they're your characters, but in the same, in some way, they like dictate their own kind of. Yeah, lives they have to be fates. durable in a certain way. You can't like you can't write against like a character in terms of like you cannot you, like you get, they have a certain perspective and ethos, don't they? And like they, you can't write them doing something that they wouldn't that wouldn't make sense for that. They really do, and so. I think I sh when I first started writing it, and the reason it took me so long, because as I said, I started this story three years ago, and I really struggled with letting the characters do that because mm -hmm. it was kind of such a bummer mm -hmm. um, to do that. Just like, do I really, is that something that I really just like want to put out there, want to do, want to, and mm -hmm. at, at the end of the day, I just kind of went, sure why not um and i think part of that's because the the title comes from uh just just a backtrack for those people who don't know me which i think would be the majority of people here i am a giant giant obsessively giant fan of my chemical romance <laughs> yes um, you are <laughs> <laughs> i have three mcr tattoos and counting um and the title, what are they? What are they? If, uh, so I have a lyric. I have two lyric tattoos. Um, one is from the songs "The Kids from Yesterday," which is "You Only Live Forever" and "The Lights You Make." Mm -hmm. um, I have "For Every Failing Sun There's a Morning After," which is from "The World Is Ugly," and then I have the um, cover art of Three Cheers" uh, mm -hmm. for "Sweet Revenge" on my chest, and I actually have the quote that's in the beginning of my book which is real revenge um is making something of yourself mm -hmm. um tattooed around the the demolition lovers which is the the name of the people on the the cover for three cheers mm -hmm. and the title actually and the whole idea of the story originally came from the song from that album cemetery drive um getting stuck in my head and people familiar with the song can see some callbacks to it and all that um mm -hmm. to it's noticeable mm -hmm. in certain points um like i no shame named the bar in the novel helena's um, <laughs> <laughs> so but it's more of there's things like that but they're more of a a nod and like an acknowledgement of my influences and the, the things that kind of where the novel came from as opposed to like driving factors for the novel. Mm -hmm. So if you're familiar with the album Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, you can find things to be like, oh, okay. But if you're not, it's not going to detract from the story at all. Mm -hmm. It's more of like kind of Easter eggs and kind of things. Yeah, in there that very clear and very, I mean, seems for like very strong inspiration for very your much writing. So. For, I mean, for a lot, it sounds like for a lot of the, you know, the work that you do, uh, which is really yeah. cool. Uh, let me just pause really quick for Station ID. You are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. Uh, this is Good Morning Comrade. Uh, we have Jeff uh, and Lucian Clark. Lucian is the author of the book Cemetery, Ro Cemetery Drive, I beg your pardon, uh, which you can uh, get more information about. Where can we get more information about your uh, your book and where to, where to find it? Um, so you can find it on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, mm -hmm. IndieBound, um, mm -hmm. Goodreads. Anywhere that you can find information about paperback books mm -hmm. or even ebooks um, for Amazon right now for the ebook. Um, and then, of course, if more about me and what else I do, I have a Twitter account at TinyAwoo. 
Yeah, tiny uh, Wu. Good, yeah. good posts. Good posts at Tiny Wu, folks. I am five foot one and ninety three pounds. There you go. I am definition tiny. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned My Chemical Romance, and I, while I didn't listen very much to the music, uh, it's not it, you know it's just not something. I'm a little bit older. Like that was I would I don't know that just sort of missed me. But I did read the comic that Gerard Way wrote, uh, Umbrella Academy, when it first came out, and I really liked that. I don't know if you'd read the Umbrella Academy or. Or, or looked at it at all uh yeah um so i've read umbrella academy i actually have next to me a copy of the spinoff that is currently being done you look like death no, i'm not uh, familiar about i'm out of yeah, comics which is, now which is about uh klaus and those oh, nice. years after he get oh, spoilers i guess i mean the yeah. comic's been out for a while the show's been out too um so after klaus leaves uh the house and all that and so that's about those years in between and what he was up to and stuff um and Gerard plans on doing a little bit in between so it's basically between when they're kids and when the first Umbrella Academy comics are started mm -hmm. um and he wants to do them for each of the characters but he mm -hmm. started with Klaus who is my personal favorite mm -hmm. and then um he also started another comic recently, so the... Somebody stop him. Album. I mean, he's, on, he's <laughs> out of control. <laughs> so, yeah, for real. Um, the fourth um, Danger Days album, so the fourth My Chemical Romance album, I don't know how familiar you are with just, like, comics in general. It was a another concept album mm -hmm. where they had, like, a whole comic, which is the, fabulous the True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, Mm -hmm. And they just started another comic in that universe, too. Okay. That was started releasing literally like two weeks after the Umbrella Academy comics. So uh, that's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. I mean, that's, that's good that I mean, like Gerard's definitely like a very creative person. <laughs> it's just like uh, really cool. I mean, I, I, I used to be the guy that was like at the comic book shop, like, I used to work at a, a, a restaurant at the mall. I used to wait tables and do double shifts a lot. I would like mm. on my break, I would go to the comic books shop and like spend all my money that I got from lunch <laughs> at the comic book shop and buying all that stuff. So working in the mall is so dangerous. Da the most dangerous there. place in the world to work. It's just like you're you're gonna every dime. It's like working at a casino. Every dime that you like make is just gonna go to the house. Um. Back when I worked retail and I worked at GameStop. Oh, I worked at GameStop too. Nightmare, absolute nightmare of a place to work. Yeah. Uh, but I worked at one that was in a mall, and so you don't really leave. You have a you have thirty minutes to do what? Wander the mall. Yeah. And so <laughs> spend money. <laughs> so yeah, our comic book store isn't in a mall. Mm -hmm. It's in its own place but i can't imagine a comic book store in a mall that just sounds especially a mall that you work at that just sounds so so dangerous <laughs> yeah the um it's funny too because the GameStop that i worked was also at a mall um and yeah i would have that experience but like i remember i quit that job because i had gotten i, I waited tables and i had so i had like multiple jobs for multiple years like i was just like one of those guys because you know, you don't have any money. You're trying to make ends meet. And I just like ended up getting shifts at my other job. So I'm just like, well, you know, 
screw GameStop. I'm going to go to the job that gets me paid money. And I'm still to this very day blacklisted from working at any Barnes and Noble property <laughs> for doing that. Like if you get like blackballed from them, like they're not going to they're not going to even consider you yeah. to get hired anymore. And they have like a lot of places. Like you don't even think about all the places that these Barnes and Noble places uh like I don't know, like that they that they own, you know. Yeah, um yeah. <laughs> When I worked at GameStop, like they, I don't, I'm sure it's still the same now where they, they don't pay like anything. Oh, yeah. Um, like $9 an hour if you're lucky. I was nine seventy two as a manager. Mm-hmm. And that's after having worked as a manager in three different states. Cause I started working there when I lived in Kansas. Then when I moved to Massachusetts, I needed another job. It's like, well, I already worked there. So that's how yeah. that's how you get stuck in that retail loop, too. It's yeah. like, well, you already have the experience. It's an easy job. You know what you're doing. And so I ended up. And then when I came back to New Jersey, um, where I'm from, and I was working here. And when I got fired, um, I was making 972 as a manager. And I remember looking for jobs as a manager, as a manager. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> and I remember the funniest thing. And so I'm looking for another job, looking for another job. And I ended up, you know, applying, I was applying for any, any retail job because I had already been in retail for six, seven years at that point. So you don't retail gets you stuck. Yeah. Like, unless you find like a, a magical escape hatch like i did which i found through like dsa and stuff Mm -hmm. um and i'll go into that too but Mm -hmm. uh i remember applying for home depot and the the automated message calling me like hey let's set up an interview let's go through all like the terms and whatever it's like as a cashier you're starting at ten dollars i was like i replayed the message just to make sure (laughs) like hold on a minute my wife uh was sitting with me i was like please can you listen to this on speaker to make sure like mm-hmm. I'm not hearing things like cashier starting $10 like that? That's right. Right. Like what? Mm-hmm. It was wild to me. Yeah. And like GameStop is such a racket. Like it's amazing that they can get away with it. Like you would go and you would buy like a brand new game and like, you know, like this game I, I work so i'm gonna i might be dating myself but like i was i was working there when like mass effect and stuff like the first mass effect came out mm-hmm. with the xbox 360 and like super smash brothers brawl with the early wii and like you would buy that game for like 60 bucks and then like okay fine you finish it you beat it or whatever or you don't like it you return it they give you like 20 bucks and they'll go back and sell it for like like 55 like it's just amazing how much of a grift oh, yeah. that is just shocking and like it's all store credit yep and even with that grift they still they still can't turn a profit and they still anymore. can't make money how is this possible <laughs> They're doing everything they can to screw over their workers and their customers. They're getting crazy business all the time, and they still can't turn a profit. It's shocking to me. It's stunning. It really they is. They are definition just capitalistic empire yeah, it's in a rot. weird way that like they can't turn a profit yet. They can't pay anybody. But they weren't paying anybody before. They're ripping off their customers, as you said. They have something that people want, and they cannot sell it and make money. It's amazing. It's it's wild. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
oh my god i don't know like like and just like telling somebody that they're like that their game that they just spent like the their last little paycheck on that they hated and they brought it back or whatever only get them like you know nine dollars in store credit and just seeing the look on their face that they get crushed you know like i don't know i don't know it's if you're like... doing this anymore but recently this was after i left too um I think it was within like the first couple of days. If you bought a new game and then didn't like it, you could bring it back and get mm-hmm. all your money back. So I would not be surprised if there's people which good for them are using it, like you know a blockbuster or something like that to to rent games. Mm-hmm. Air quotes on rent. Um. So, but yeah, Home Depot wasn't great either, and I luckily got out because through DSA, um, mm-hmm. we are really close with um our local abortion clinic um and so all of our members for the most part are s clinic escorts there and so i was like okay i'm going to become a clinic escort and during the training for that uh the person who's doing the training was like hey this is our our call center they're hiring they're going to pay you three dollars more starting than what you're making once again as a manager at home depot oh hell yeah (laughs) I was like, and I'm out. Goodbye. Yeah, see ya. So, uh, yeah, I did want to ask a little bit about, like, so uh, I'm in New Orleans with DSA, and, like, one of the first things that we started here early on was, like, the brake light clinic and things like that. Um, and we kind of, like, moved to, you know, various other or sort of things, like, um, you know, like like various labor and certain things. What kind of, what kind of, what are y'all up to in uh, DSA in New Jersey? So I haven't been very active as of recently. I was a member of the exec up until, what was it, June of last year? No, June of this year. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I just, every, 2020 Time has is lasted so about three right decades now, yeah. at this point for me. Um, it's wild to think that that's the same year. Um, so up until June, but, you know, because of COVID had happened and stuff, we didn't really do much of anything mm-hmm. um for the for three or so months leading up to that um but we've done our break light clinic we've mm-hmm. done zines um i know oh, zines? right now a lot of the um members are doing the south jersey mutual aid network um which isn't necessarily like a thing that our dsa is doing it's just the thing that like a lot of our members are doing yeah, um, which is like delivering food um pet food, things like that to people who are like, you know, compromised elderly or anything like that to help keep them out from going in the grocery stores and stuff like that. And even when our numbers were low, that was still going on. And I think now it's our numbers are spiking astronomically again. Like I just looked and we're at the same numbers that we were back in March. So we've done Mm -hmm. effectively nothing. Um, So we came back from like a horrible pandemic, I suppose. But yeah. And then went back into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. This will never end. We're gonna be in this pandemic until we're all dead. <laughs> I think. I mean, until we all get COVID. Yeah. So it's. You're... I was in a. I'm in a state where we were doing well at first, and then we opened restaurants, we opened bars, and all this stuff. And it was, and now it's just spiking again. It's uh-huh. kind of like what did you expect yeah and now our governor's like oh we're not going to close schools we're not going to close the restaurants we're not it's like you did so well before can we yeah. can we go back to that 
Yeah, that's one of those things where, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher and like I like spend a lot of time like running down to the Louisiana State Capitol even. It's like two hours away. Like when they were having their like muckety muck meetings about, you know, oh, this is the terms by which this is the plan by which we're going to open up the schools and we're going to make sure that it's safe and we have all these other things going on. But like. We knew, like I knew at least, and I would try and tell anybody that would listen, like as soon as they get these schools open and as soon as they get everything else open, they are not closing it again because they want them open. They want to be able to make their money. They want to make sure that the people that have the kids in school are going back to work. They want to make sure that like workers are essentially like forced back into the economy i guess you could say you know yeah i have a bunch of teacher friends so many so it's like murderous policy literally i've described it as murderous policy yeah it's it's abysmal and and that's anywhere um like i have friends who are teachers in new jersey friends who are teachers in pa because i live so close to philly and stuff and it's it's the same thing and i remember talking to one teacher friend of mine who was talking about one of the reasons they're opening the schools, I believe it was. Um, I could be misremembering. That's mm-hmm. but like I remember them saying, like, yeah, they want to make sure that we're actually working and that they're what getting does that mean? Their, <laughs> their money's worth out of like our time and stuff. And it's just like ridiculous. Like, yes, remote learning sucks for everybody, mm-hmm. but your kid's not sick and dying. The teachers right. aren't sick and dying. Like People aren't dying. That's the big important part here. And like even like the language that they're using is so deeply and profoundly like like capitalist and extractive. It means that the job that you're doing, we have to a make sure that we are getting the value out of you, the worker by you know this investment that we're doing through the state and just sort of like extrapolating that out like it is very 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 transactional in nature it's got nothing to do with any of the human beings involved at all like it's just so cold and disgusting it really like it's it's inhuman and inhumane in the same way um like like it just turns my stomach you know yeah like as a healthcare worker um as somebody who works in like an essential service and a time sensitive, you know, service in abortion and all that, like we can't shut down. Mm-hmm. Please shut down the things that you can or yeah. go remote for the things that you can, please. <laughs> exactly. And like, yeah. And like one of the things here and like one of the debates that keeps happening too, uh, is like, Oh, you know, we want, you know, we want to open the bars and this is what these like, weirdo like people in their super fancy trucks or whatever are going down to yeah it was in michigan was like especially uh one of the ones that you could you notice where they would have like people going to gretchen whitmer's like gubernatorial mansion and saying like uh we need to make sure that we open the state up so we can go get our nails done or whatever (laughs) and that's the thing if you always look at the people who are excuse me who are asking for things to be reopened it's mm-hmm. not the workers. No, not the people who have to do the services. It's literally I want to take advantage of you for my own sin. It's 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 selfishness. It's just pure self-centered selfishness. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had a anti who had driven by and filmed herself driving by, um, who was complaining like 
look at these people who can come get abortions. I can't get my teeth cleaned. Wow, really? Like, yeah, it was it was wild. That is shocking. Um, like, you know that this is like like somebody could die. Somebody could like potential like 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 lives are at stake here and like it really does suck that you can't go to the dentist or whatever the hell. But, and it like, wasn't like I Lord. I need a root canal or my teeth hurt. It was literally I can't get my teeth cleaned, <laughs> but these people accessing a time sensitive medical service that even shutting it down for a week or a day can potentially like change the course of somebody's life for the Many, next yeah. 18 plus years or whatever. Nope. I want to get my teeth cleaned. Yeah. It was just, it was baffling. It was wild to me. Oh my God. That's just like shocking. We just passed actually. Let me, let me go to the uh, station ID really quick. Uh, you're listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Uh, Jeff with Lucian Clark. Lucian is the the author of the book Cemetery Drive. I got it right that time, right? Yes. And you can find Cemetery Drive uh, through um, IndieBound, uh, Amazon, and all the places. Um, but yeah, we just passed in Louisiana one of those like horrible trigger laws that essentially is like set it up to be. Like if the like as soon like the moment the Supreme Court rules that like oh Roe v Wade is no longer a thing it's no it's like overturned or whatever then Louisiana is essentially like preset to sort of like get knocked over like a domino uh, to be like essentially outlaw abortion in the state of Louisiana. Yep, horrible that's exactly stuff. What it is. It's 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 a trigger law where that would be it mm -hmm. um and i was actually looking it up because i'm not too familiar with louisiana um mm -hmm. i'm more familiar with pretty close uh georgia we actually do see some patients from louisiana traveling all the way to georgia to access abortion care because that's still mm -hmm. closer than where their clinics are in louisiana that's just um, so crazy it's it's wild um the amount of distance people have to travel to mm -hmm. access health care um like basic stuff, you know. Yeah, like, and and abortion really is basic. It's one of the most safe medical procedures. It's on par, if not safer, than like having your wisdom teeth out. And nobody thinks about the complications that come from wisdom teeth. Mm -hmm. And you can have so many complications. Oh, you don't need admitting rights to get your wisdom teeth removed. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, I don't mean to like be too flippant but that's just sort of like it's so gross the way that they talk but about this kind of stuff you that's know? yeah that's how it is though with trap laws um which are laws specifically they're uh, my brain just stopped with what trap stands for but trap laws basically are laws that are put into place that specifically target abortion because yes. it's abortion that have no medical necessity no medical reason behind it yeah um, and they don't even like harder. explicitly outlaw like abortion or whatever, but they make it, they define what legal abortion would be to be so onerous to the point that it becomes like, while not de facto, like not like in print illegal, like functionally speaking, it's like so difficult to do that you can't, you can't maintain like a doctor's business or office or whatever by doing that. 
So essentially, it rule it makes it illegal in a very sort of like sneaky backdoor way, right? Exactly. Um, because as you said, they they make it. They have all these ex- extra stuff. Like mm-hmm. in New Jersey, if you want to perform abortions past, I believe it's fourteen weeks. Don't quote me on that. I should know yeah, this better. Sure. Oops. Um, it's fine. You need to be an ambulatory surgical facility. You need to have a fully operational OR. Why? Which is it? There's no medical benefit to it. There's no reason for it because, as with any outpatient facility that's seeing patients, if something goes seriously, seriously wrong, you send that patient to a hospital, right? Because your facility is not equipped to deal with it. And those places so, are often very close to hospitals as well. Yeah. Um, there was actually one of the the most recent laws was um, that was brought up to the Supreme Court was about hospital admitting privileges, and if it had not been, you know, shown by the Supreme Court to be a unnecessary barrier that which it was Mm -hmm. it would have shut down every clinic in the state except for one and made it so every doctor wouldn't be able to practice i think except for one and this is new jersey this wasn't new jersey this was a different state oh it was not new jersey but right it was a i believe i should know this i know they did texas like a while back louisiana like is pre is like on that path like we have like a Democrat oh, governor. June versus Russo was actually Louisiana. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, um, so that's if that had, uh, yeah, because I, for some reason, my brain was like, oh yeah, June Medical Services versus mm-hmm. Russo, but I couldn't yeah. remember the state. Um, was in Louisiana, they were trying to make it so that anybody who practiced abortion would have to have a hospital admitting privileges, regardless of gestational age or anything like that. Um, and it had to be like a state authorized hospital and it had to be within 30 miles of the clinic. Um, and it was already a law that had been struck down with Texas mm-hmm. with whole woman's health versus, at the federal level. Uh, health, yeah. And so we went back in and it was, and it's done very specifically to try to get the Supreme court to relook at Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, and which so, is super important now with this Coney Barrett person, who's also from Louisiana, by the way. Fun. Um, and this was before uh, RBG died. And yeah. so it was deemed unnecessary. Roe v. Wade stood and all that. But I will say the week of the election, the Supreme Court was already putting like abortion rights and Roe and all that on the docket for the Friday after the election in preparation of who's going to be in office. If it's Trump again, let's already start this. It's like a triggered docket for the trigger laws. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it's, it's wild. Um, Like they, they really do go after it. And even with Biden, who not great. I mean, when your whole, when your whole campaign platform is, at least I'm not Trump, and that's about it. Uh, don't, don't expect nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, with the, the Supreme Court, I'm not mm-hmm. – I wouldn't say everything's safe. Yeah. Even with Biden, Biden saying he wants to, to codify Roe and stuff like that, I, with the Supreme Court the way it is, I don't, I don't think it's not possible. a safe bet. Yeah. I think about that a lot 
from the perspective of like you know what let's i mean if you don't mind we can get into it just for a second but like when it comes to the question of like biden or whatever like versus so like i'm a big labor guy specifically i talk about like unions and things like that and like the the, the national labor relations board which decides the rules by which union elections can happen even like I'm very angry the, at the nlrb right now the what's up the nlrb wants to get rid of scabby yeah, they want to get rid of they've gone <laughs> that far. They've gone as far as like first off, number 1, they made union elections harder, made it more difficult, more difficult to happen the chair. Yeah, one. And then two, they want to get rid of Scabby the Rat, an icon, a hero, one of the greatest like one of the greatest trolls of all time. <laughs> yeah, I will say that when it comes to labor, I tend to let other people who are more knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember seeing the thing about the NLRB wanting to go to Scabby. I'm like, you can't do you that. You can't do it. It's a giant rat. Like, who and there's, it, it, there's like, one thing I love as much as MCR, it's rats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're a rat person. Yeah, you are a rat person. But um, before we get into rats, which we can get into rats, um, the yeah, the, the essentially like yeah, a Biden NLRB, and like I'm, I got no delusion. Even though I'm like Bernie or bust on like Bernie or bust for like Secretary of Labor, I know it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> but like, uh, it's one of those sort of situations where, like, no matter who they put in to place for like the, the positions on this National Labor Relations Board, which nobody cares about unless you're like already think about these things. Like the Biden NLRB and like like Biden sucks a dozen eggs. Like don't get it twisted, right? But like he's he's gonna appoint people that are at least like not openly like profiting off of the exploitation of workers to the same degree that a Trump NLRB would. Last I looked, he's looking at like Uber execs and stuff like oh, that. Oh hell yeah, and, great. And never mind Kamala. Uh, her uh there's a relationship between is it kamala or camilla Kam I, I think it is camilla um i've heard both ways unfortunately so i kamala think the wrestler Harris. from the 1980s was kamala <laughs> um but with harris let's just do that that's easier yeah we say biden's last with the, with the vice president elect yeah or the, that, the, the top um, cop of california <laughs> Um, with, with her, she has a direct relation to the person pushing yeah. Prop 22 in California. So yeah, like, like, a, like an in-law. Yeah, it's so. Oh, it's not no going to be what, sunshine and roses at all. I'm not going to get yeah, that. I'm not gonna, I'm the not gears not. of capitalism will, no matter who it is, will it's continue. Like, yeah, it's just like the, it's like the octopus, like engulfing the earth. That's the capitalism right there. Mm -hmm. It's, it's bad. Yeah. Anyway, I, I guess my point, and maybe it's undermined here, but I, I do think like a Biden NLRB is better than a Trump NLRB. But yeah, your point taken, not necessarily like super comfortable with that either. No, it's not. It's not great. Like no matter what, it's going to be some CEO of some company who exploits their workers and profits off, you know, mm -hmm. shoving people under the boot. But at least we can say it's not somebody who it hopefully it won't be like the CEO of Lockheed Martin or right, something yeah. like that. So they have to pretend that they care at least. Right? 
kind of. They they gotta so. Yeah. Either way, uh, let's just pause real quick for station ID, and then we'll talk about rats. Uh, you are listening to WHIV LP New Orleans. Uh, today on the show, we have Lucian Clark. Lucian is the author of Cemetery Drive, which you can find on IndieBound. You can find it on uh, Amazon. You can find it all kinds of places. Uh, and yeah, so uh, here's a question. You have cats and you have rats. How do they get mm-hmm. along? Uh, so the cat isn't really allowed in the bedroom where we keep the rats. Not that I would. She's probably the biggest sweetheart in oh. the history of the universe. She's very curious about them. They are absolutely terrified of her. Um, so she's really not allowed in the bedroom. Um, yeah, but it's funny, that, whenever yeah. the bedroom door is open, she'll see it open and she'll sit in the doorway mm-hmm. and stare at them. And then you'll look away and you'll look back and she does that thing where it's, she's teleported a foot forward. <laughs> yeah, she's curious. She teleported a foot forward. <laughs> cats, cats don't mess up. Like, cats know when you're not watching. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. They're so smart. So, I mean, I don't, as I said, I don't expect her to hurt them or anything. She's When she's gotten close to the cage, she's never swiped or done anything. She's just stood eyes as big as saucers, just like glued to the cage, staring at that? them. But they're just like, oh, God, please, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and, lo- and like with them, too, I've had rats in the past and I've had cats in the past where they were allowed in the same rooms and stuff like that. And I had a rat who, rest in peace, her name was Lady Gaga. She was amazing. <laughs> a big, fat, pink eyed white rat. So like the ones you think of like lab rats and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and I've never seen a rat want to fight a cat more where the cat would come in she would see him and you would hear her slam against the cage as she tried to reach her hand out to grab him oh my god to like grab him what and, a like, killer to, to like murder this cat who's i don't know 10 times bigger than her yeah and the cat on the other hand didn't care he loved them. He would like headbutt the cage and like drag his body along the cage, but then he'd come back missing chunks of eyebrow because, you know, he's headbutting the cage and Gaga Getting with some. a death wish for him, grab it, pull yeah. out chunks of his fur and stuff. And the cat would still do it. And I'm like, haven't we learned a lesson here? Like there was one time like she had like bitten his nose because he stuck his nose mm-hmm. against the cage. And then I saw him doing it the next day, and I'm like, what do you want me to do if you don't learn your lesson that the rat wants to murder you, but you're still going to just do this? And he wouldn't, like, stick – it's not like he would, like, bite at the cage or try to, like, squat at them or anything like that. He literally would just be like, hey, what's up? I'm going to nuzzle the cage. Oh, there goes my eyebrow. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Going to do it again. I'm just like, okay. Take a hint, bro. Nope. Never. So I've definitely had cats and, and, and rats interact well enough. And I'm sure people you all over YouTube and the internet and stuff. Um, my favorite is the dog that has a cat riding it. And then riding on the cat is a rat. Amazing. And they're all friends. And adorable. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, I already told my cat story. So, I mean, I don't know what else I could do with, with that. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's hilarious and, and very cute. Yeah, it's funny because I'm sure that if 
she was given the chance to like hang out with them she'd just be like okay what are these and then like leave them alone mm-hmm. but it's more of i don't trust the rats to ignore her yeah <laughs> which they you sweat, would think it would be the, the other way around mm-hmm. but she it really is, what is. It she's is. the sweetest cat she's most cats don't greet every stranger like a dog where it's like please pet me hello i demand your attention mm-hmm. we can't be outside talking to the neighbors without her downstairs screaming at the door because she goes oh there's people outside please let me outside for the people mm-hmm. she begs for food like a dog Aww. where my wife and her have a relationship where my wife will be in the recliner the cat will jump up on the recliner and my wife will give her a little piece of whatever she's eating. doesn't matter if the cat eats it or not. The cat will sniff it and either eat it or knock it onto the floor. And then the, the offering has been made and she will leave her alone after that. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. We think before we got her because she was originally our office cat mm-hmm. um, at the call center. And then when COVID happened, she just became our cat and they're not getting her the f- back um part of my life, it's all good. yeah they're not they're not getting her back she's uh our cat and uh but so we got her i think she was prop she was a little itty bitty little kitten so just like a black fluff ball with little two ball. Old yellow eyes but i think before we had acquired her at that age for like the two months leading up to that or whatever two three months she lived with dogs or something because the only thing she doesn't do is bark. <laughs> <laughs> so she behaves like a dog, which is hilarious. Which is wild because in most cats, you pick them up and they're like, no, I hate this. She'll just accept it. You can carry her around. I've carried her around the apartment like, oh, this is going to make me sound mean. But like upside down, just to prove a point where she just doesn't, she doesn't wiggle. She doesn't struggle. She's just like, okay, this is cool. It's like, <laughs> Are you a cat? what are you like i just don't what's the deal here what's going on explain yourself (laughs) the only thing she doesn't like apparently is uh tow truck people i learned that you know what she's never growled in her life i am i am am also skeptical of tow trucks so good for the cat (laughs) relatable oh i want to i want to say too with the tow truck stuff so it's storming it's windy there's rain and so you hear the chains rattling outside Mm -hmm. And then the cat starts growling and it literally sounded like a zombie groan. Mm-hmm. So I hear chains and just, I'm like, oh, okay, oh it's 2020. I am now, this is zombie apocalypse. Sounds about right. <laughs> cats, cats like growling. I guess you could call it that. Cause like when we got our, our kittens, uh, we just got them fixed like a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Like the guttural place of hate like dogs growling it's almost like like oh shut the hell up you know like yeah whatever you know like but when it's cats it's almost like they're it's coming from their heart and it's just pure hate you know like cats yeah, growling is just the meanest thing that there is in the world so as her i was like so i got up and i was like what is going on is that the cat is that outside and it was the cat and growling at the tow truck people <laughs> no reason but okay sure comrade cat yeah and, and and cats ignore most things but when they take the attention and the time to hate something who buddy you don't want to be on the other yeah. end of that that's why i was like as i said she's never growled she's never so i was like what is happening outside 
it, I, I was not expecting it to just be like a tow truck taking a car. Mm-hmm. I was like expecting there to be like a fight that I didn't like here or something like something like serious, seriously wrong. Mm-hmm. Nope. Tow truck. I'm like, all right, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, as time winds down, we have about five minutes left. Uh, one of the, I did want to talk about really quickly. One of the places where we connected for the first time is through Street Fight, uh, through the community. Uh, and I particularly remember an episode that you did with, uh, I think it was just Brian. It might have been Brett and Brian. But you were talking a little bit about um, your specific like relationship with, um, it, was, it was like gender and stuff, right? Yeah, so that one was just, I've done... Two, a couple, two street yeah. fight ones yeah so i did an episode that was basically kind of like a, a trans 101 with brian and then i also did uh two years ago now what a couple of sweeties by the way love they brian are and brett. the biggest sweeties them. in the world um i did an episode with brett about the movie ginger snaps oh okay i don't know that movie um, uh it's a very very good werewolf movie that i highly highly suggest okay um with women protagonists and all that like it's it really shows the versatility of the werewolf trope as being something that can be applied to a lot more than just oh people are really monsters or oh like the beast within kind of thing um so like old it, it, i love werewolves That's no, the werewolves are cool my i mean my twitter username with with tiny awu yeah um so but like okay, yeah, what are some other applications i guess so like obviously i i think werewolves can be applied to anything whatever um okay as a writer i've applied werewolves for uh gender i've applied werewolves for sexuality i've applied uh werewolves just for like life changes in in general um I've done werewolves for like the beast within kind of thing um, to, to touch on back to like my next novel I'm working on uh, has a werewolf serial killer protagonist. Oh my gosh. Um, so that, that one's a little bit more of the uh, like people are monsters beast within kind of thing. Sure. Um, an oldie, but a goodie, you know, you yeah. gotta appreciate the classics there. Of course. Um, but with ginger snaps, the werewolf and uh the werewolf is more to symbolize like coming of age and like puberty mm-hmm. um which i think is a really fun application for that um so i i mean obviously there's also like werewolf as a representation of mental illness and all mm-hmm. kinds of really like different things anything that involves change or versatility i feel you can throw a werewolf analogy in there as well. sure just out of placeness too, sort of like lack of control. Like there's a lot of like, like very, very sort of like deep sort of like fundamental things that you can connect with that. So that's really cool. That's a really interesting idea. And I think that's why almost every culture has some form of, if it's not directly a werewolf, yeah, like some a form cancer. of like shifter kind of mm-hmm. thing. And it's in its history because it's just such a, good analogy for so many things yeah the control um, one's big i think because mm-hmm. like like especially in the classic werewolf sort of thing like 
the sort of like lack of control slash like lack of awareness of the things that you're even doing, you know, is like a actually a terrifying thing. Like like hurting somebody or some like like something else and like not being able to not only control it but not even know that you're doing it. It's like that's terrifying to me. Like if I, yeah, if I so doing the, that. the control thing is big and also too if if you go super classic with the the whole full moon it's knowing that it's gonna happen oh my god yeah unable to stop it too yeah Um, so yeah that that's really cool but to circle back to my stuff with brian um i'm trans uh a lot of what i do writing wise is either trans or queer um my novel uh the protagonists are both gay Mm -hmm. and so I did, Brian had asked me to do just like a, a general, just talking about trans experiences being non-binary. Um, and this was back when I almost want to, I don't want to say street fair was small, but it was so much smaller. Like I think the, the Facebook community was something like 300 people. Maybe yeah, it's like if 10 that, times that now. it was so, so much smaller. Um, so it, it was really nice to like help like set that groundwork and that that mm-hmm. tone and being approached being like this is what we want for people you know and yeah the community has always been that way and be helping being part of that's been really really cool yeah i've been i've been following those guys since like 2014 i mean they're just the best and like they came they, they, they literally like were i don't know they're like the chapos chapo trap houses like they're they're they're, they're dads but like they're just like gotten so much bigger than <laughs> the, 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 the chapel guys have just gotten so much bigger but like there's just a lot of heart with with the street bike community like i find that's just like where a lot of really fantastic folks are yeah it's like the only community i participate on facebook <laughs> it's like the main group and then the about eight thousand offshoot yeah there's so many offshoot groups isn't there yeah and i think that's part of like it just growing and being in general and that's and that's another thing, like, I definitely appreciate the, that community and just that leftist community in general. Um, so, yeah. Well, anyway, thank you so much for uh, coming on Good Morning Comrade, Lucian. Where can people find uh, you, what you're doing, and uh, your books? So thank you for having me. Um, so you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter is tinyawu with two O's, just think werewolf howling at the moon kind of thing uh, <laughs> <laughs> um and then cemetery drive can be found on amazon it can be found in barnes and noble anywhere online that you can find paperback books mm-hmm. um you can find it there or if you have a local bookshop that you want to support you can always request that they also carry it too cool well thank you so much and uh yeah definitely come back anytime uh lucian clark uh, you can listen exactly. to Good Morning Comrade every Tuesday on WHIV in New Orleans. You can also get more information in all of our back episodes, goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, anything you want to say on the way out? No, just thank you for having me. Um, I'm always open for questions. People want to talk. Just message me on Twitter or anything like that. So. Hell yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Love you. Bye. <laughs>